0: hello sunbeams welcome back i've missed you man this week has been highs and lows that's all i can say so many emotions it was a very emotional week and every emotion that i felt was intense i was when i was happy i was happy but when it was hard it was hard you know this what do you call it what are they saying this mercury retrograde i'm starting to think it's a real thing but yes for those of you who follow my instagram you know that my mom is in the hospital um due to her chemo and her white blood count being so low so i'm asking for you guys to keep her in your prayers to give her the strength and love she needs to push forward And my family as well. We're all handling it the best we can. But honestly, if you ask me how I'm doing right now, the truth is, I don't know. I'm in survival mode. Um, You know, just doing the best we can since we can't see her due to COVID. But yes, back to the podcast. I just wanted to remind you guys as we go through these moments in life, these seasons, You may at times feel out of control, pulled in different directions, but you will always end up where you are meant to be. So come on, come on darling, let's talk about relationships, this feeling we call love, and how it correlates to mental health. Welcome to the Sunbeam community, and I am Joyce Words. In my personal experience, I tend to lose myself in love. I tend to be consumed and sacrificial to the point that I am left with nothing. I know that this type of unhealthy love comes from deep family trauma, deep unhealthy bonds. And because of that, I often overcompensated, not only in romantic relationships but also platonic, pretty much I am the one who's willing to give you the world even if I have to lay on top of it, I am a giver, willing to give it all away, however, learning this has been my greatest shield, it's helped me make better choices, it's raised the standards, it's taught me the privilege of being in my sphere. It made me beautiful. It made me unmovable. I don't know, there's a certain energy and power in choosing yourself first. Pretty much, I now know what I deserve and how I deserve to be treated. But it wasn't always like this. I have fallen in love with figments of my imagination more than actual people. I have allowed people to control my mental and take my emotions. I have been manipulated with love. So I want to share my greatest heartbreak story with you. And maybe we can figure this out together. Why is it so hard for us first to accept the love we do deserve? And why does it take and give so much from us? There was this guy I met in college. He was my beauty, my pain, my healing, and my brokenness. That's how much I let him matter. The first time we met was at my school coffee shop. And all I can say is, it was magnetic. It was this resounding energy. Like I had known him. Like I could just right off the bat trust him. I don't know, have you guys ever met people in your life that you so deeply resonate with that you can say to yourself, this is it. There is no one else who will ever get me. Like they come into your life like some magical storm or unicorn. Some people call it soulmates, but all I can say is that every moment with him was a euphoric high. It was spiritual and it was trauma too. I remember I had a string in my hand and somehow it became entwined around his fingers and I was just playing with it calmly as we conversed and it was this string that kept us tethered. I had no idea how symbolic it would become later. So fast forward, I know this story is sounding like a romance, but that's because it truly was. It was something out of a movie. We developed a deep friendship, one with very little boundaries or personal space. And at that time, I loved it. I didn't see the problem. But I just wanted to take ownership of this moment, of the fact that I taught him how to treat me. Because I had very little boundaries or personal space, I set the motions for this to continue for me to continue to be vulnerable we would finish each other's sentences we knew each other past the facade I got close to his family and most important I felt safe and accepted it was like he gave me something I desperately desired and didn't even know it he loved me in a way my family couldn't It wasn't even sexual energy. It was pure. One of my favorite memories was we would sneak away from school and go to this little cottage style bridge that was teething with wild vines, moss, and fireflies. There'd be these beautiful, vibrant flowers, and he would just hold me close on this bridge just to slow dance. And we would be face to face. i would have his arms around my waist. And he would always say, you've got to learn to let me lead. So you can imagine, ladies, that this type of attention and affection was addicting. It was a drug. I found that at times I would need it. I would crave it. And if I didn't get it, I would be emotionally frayed. Um, But also, (laughs) there's a but, he also had a heap of darkness and pain that he carried with him. For my Vampire Diary fans, he was my daemon, but worse. (laughs) To quote Dickens, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. He would give me the world, but in the next breath, take it away. He would disappear for days on end and come back as if nothing had happened. He could encourage me and then the next moment insult me. He could be emotionally manipulative, selfish, and ice cold. You know, so yeah, (laughs) I know I just made him sound like Prince Charming, but there was a lot more to it. And I think a part of me knew he wasn't reliable, but I didn't care. I had a feeling that no one had ever given to me. It was like the hurt child or the hurt um, trauma in me kind of like soothed from it, you know? So I was willing to do anything for this feeling. I tolerated the lows because the highs were incredible but you know like all fatal attractions or trauma bonds these violent delights have violent ends and in their triumph die like fire and powder which as they consume which as they kiss consume shakespeare by the way shout out to my english majors (laughs) which simply means that it ended terribly as i said he kept so much to himself And I didn't even know how badly he was struggling with mental health. Um, Our relationship was so fickle. And he was mad at me every other day. We were like a married old couple. But mind you, during this whole time, all we were were friends. So I was like his emotional girlfriend. He was my healing support in a way. You can see the codependency and... There's all type of red flags going on. But hey, we were both young and dumb. (laughs) Let's chalk it up to that. Um, But then, as I said, my world crashed. One day, it ended this fairy tale, this romance, this feeling that was fleeting anyway. One day, I got an urgent call from him. And he says, I need you to come over, mind you. He's like blowing up my phone saying, friend, I haven't seen you. It's summer. I need you to come over it. Um, He was being his usual demanding self, but I had no idea the severity of this call and how much it was a cry for help. So I came over just like every other time he called. I was there and I came running, right? And mind you, I live nowhere near him. So I had to take a bus, a train, and get a few car rides. But I was determined, right, for my own selfish gain. I mean, he was a great friend, but there was something in it for me, right? That feeling. So when I came over, he greeted me, and he immediately started telling me his life story. And at this point, I was mentally rolling my eyes because it wasn't unusual for him to talk about himself, Um, you know, and in my head, I'm like, you had these urgent texts. You were like, come over. And then I get here and you're like, oh, so let me tell you about myself. Let me show you my playlist. However, I did notice that he was skinny and his hygiene was poor, but he had a justification for everything. He said his mom wasn't feeding him, etc., etc. But I think part of me was blinded by ignorance and love or lust. Maybe I didn't want to see it for what it was. Also, mental health was not talked about in my household, it was a taboo. We barely expressed our own feelings and our own trauma. So, this was new territory to me so we talked we hanged out for a few just like friends do and then he gave me his most valued things and told me hey i appreciate you and ugh, i know we're all mentally slapping our foreheads right now saying joys but i didn't get the signs i really didn't i just thought it was weird and strange behavior so we decided to go on a walk after that and he stumbled over and at this point my heart is racing. Things are starting to click, Um, you know. I don't know why but fear kind of set in. I knew something wasn't right. He was also rambling a bit, saying things like, I'm trying to save you and other things that didn't fit into the context and he was getting excited, you know, but like, kind of erratic movements. And maybe he could tell I was afraid because he kind of calmed down a little bit. He assured me that he was just tired and it was because he hadn't eaten. He also at this point insisted that I stay over. And I told him I couldn't because I was under the watch of my friend's parent. I had gotten a ride from my friend to his place and I was under their supervision so I didn't feel like it was appropriate plus I had never slept over so it was weird too um he insisted on calling my friend and talking to her he said we can work it out don't worry but you have to stay over so while he called and talked to my friend I called his mom I had enough sense to know something was wrong she didn't answer so I left a voicemail so then we continued to walk, and I tried to calm him down, telling him that I couldn't stay, but I would see him tomorrow. He kind of shut down at that point, um, but I made sure that he got food and water when we got back. You know, it became like a friend hostage situation because he was doing everything to get me not to leave. He was begging, he was negotiating, And I really did not understand why. And I think I carry this guilt of missing all the red flags, you know. And I tried to get him to talk and open up, but he was one of those people that were very good at hiding their pain. You would never know. He's got so much charisma and charm. He's Mr. Popular. He's always happy and smiling. It's like he put on a show for the world. And I fell for it, too. So I told him, I said, I'm sorry, I have to leave. My mom's friend was getting very concerned on the other side of the door. Um, They were like, we've been waiting a long time. Like, what is going on? You know, I left him with a guardian as well. There was someone at home. Um, At least that's what I was told. I never saw them. I think they were in the back office or something. But I didn't leave him in the state he was. By the time I left, we had hugged and he seemed to be calm and accepting that I couldn't stay over. Yeah. So I thought that was it. I thought he was just really upset and maybe throwing a little bit of a temper tantrum. Until I got a call the next morning from his mother. And she told me he had a mental breakdown in the middle of the night. And jumped off a cliff. And he had broken bones and lacerations. But by the grace of God, something stopped his fall. And he was in the hospital. It was very severe. um, But he was okay. And I just broke down, guys. I was just Bawling, there was just so many emotions wrapped in that. you know, I think I carried the guilt for being the closest to him, yet not seeing how much pain he truly was in. After that, I called every day, we spoke, and our friendship kind of remained the same as he got better. Um You know, we never talked about the situation. I think it was traumatic for both of us. He also never brought it up um, and I didn't wanna push too hard. So it was like this elephant in the room. Fast forward to eight months later, um, I get the call that he's ready to come back to school. And truthfully, I was so thrilled. I was so through the roof. My best friend in the whole world is coming back to school. I was excited because truthfully, without him, I was lost. I was lonely. I was kind of going through my own, you know, depression as well. So this was, I thought things were going to go back to what they were. So this was the highlight of everything. I can't even begin to tell you the jubilee that I felt. But when he came back to school, it was nothing like what I thought. Obviously, he was his charming charisma self. He was nice and friendly, but to everyone but me, it was like he hated me. There was so much anger. Um, He would ignore me. He'd be ice cold. It was like all of a sudden I didn't exist. And there's a part of me that feels like he had every right to make the choice to end the friendship. But why wait to drive the knife so deep? In those eight months of recovering, I was talking to you every night for hours. I was the one supporting you and, you know, giving you the world emotionally, mentally, whatever you needed. I was in this moment overcompensating for the guilt I had originally felt for leaving. You know, I spent money. I did the whole shebang. I was at his beckon and call. That's all I can say. So for me, it just didn't make sense. Why wait so long? Why not say, hey, I'm mad at you for you not showing up. And I want to end this friendship the week after the incident happened? Why continue to use so much of me? So, you know, eventually our friendship dwindled. It wasn't on my end. I fought for it. I begged him to talk to me. I begged him to tell me how he felt, to be angry, to do something other than abandon me, other than ignore me and just pretend. I had to watch him become the world's friend. I had to watch him become Mr. Popular and talk to everyone else but me. So eventually, I finished school and he went to Spain. I saw him a few times after we graduated, but nothing, you know, nothing like that, how it used to be. And it was so cruel for my mind to understand how I could have such wonderful times and you know it'd be taken away and it was so funny I came back I took a personal break myself but it was funny we graduated together and I thought that was such a fitting end sitting next to each other both of us hurting and fighting the hurt in the silence we created but close enough to feel the warmth of yesterday's love And in my head, I think we were both screaming, why didn't you stay? If we were both the best version of ourselves, we would have never met. I want to make it clear, he's not the villain in this story, and neither am I. I have nothing but love in my heart for him. I'm happy that today he's alive, thriving, and doing well. Hopefully, maybe he's even married now, who knows, but at his best, he was love and light and hope, and I pray that he continues. What this heartbreak taught me, it taught me a deeper love for myself. It gave me empathy and compassion toward others on their mental health journey. I don't believe people are fundamentally wicked or broken. I don't believe that in this case he meant to hurt me and vice versa. I think hurt people hurt people as they heal. I know I have. It taught me my limitations and boundaries in relationships. I learned that friendship is a privilege. Not everyone should have the pleasure of existing with you. I learned that touch is my kryptonite, my love language. So unless you are worthy, we shouldn't be touching in a way that's not appropriate to the relationship because I might fall in love with you. I learned where my heart is sore. I learned where my heart needs extra barriers. I learned that I don't want romance in the sense that it's a flurry of feelings or an episode off of euphoria. I want a love that is slow, thoughtful, balanced, and less based on feelings. I need it for a good mental. It's got to be your best decision when you choose me and vice versa, because my standard is safety stability understanding compassion trust etc for me personally i've learned dealing with my own mental health obstacles my standards have to be high because the risk will always be greater i know that i wouldn't be able to survive the toll again of grief of love of soulmates or friends it was really traumatic and it took years years to pull me out of that depression so thank you thank you so much for listening to my novella i know we will get the love we deserve as we heal and i encourage you not to sacrifice what matters to you for just the feeling i'd rather be a well thought out choice If you're related to this, please message me on Instagram. I love talking to my Sunbeam community. I love hearing your stories, your heartbreak, and what mental health means to you in relationships. And hopefully, together, we will rise. Thank you for tuning in to the Sunbeam community, a place of vibrance, healing, and love. I know our first two episodes might be a little choppy and long, but I promise it gets better. So I hope you continue to support and grow with me as we heal and become the best version of ourselves. We will continue, uh, but next time we'll be doing hot topics. We might take some quizzes together. Definitely meditation and sleep talk down. I've been told I have a voice like honey, so (laughs) I might as well use it. Please send me love and feedback on Instagram. I'm always taking and looking for new ideas So much love. Have a wonderful week.